Hi, this is Mary Strand from Minneapolis, and you are listening to the Minnesota Music Shakedown. Welcome to episode number 27 of the Minnesota Music Shakedown, a podcast dedicated to spinning some of the best original Twin Cities and beyond area music. Featured this week are conversations with Heatbox about his new album, Hilarious and Epically Legendary. Then I talked with Mary Strand about her new album, Golden Girl, plus new music by Leslie Vincent. I'm your host, Mark Sterry. Check me out at MarkSterryMusic.com. And thank you for supporting live and local music. Hello, this is Leslie Vincent, and you're listening to the Minnesota Music Shakedown.
That was Leslie Vincent with the song Psychedelics With You off of her new album About Last Night. Interview coming soon. Next up is Heatbox discussing his new album, Hilarious and Epically Legendary. Afterwards, check out the new single, Funky Baby Song. Heatbox, welcome to the Minnesota Music Shakedown. How's it going today? Good. Thanks for having me. When did you first come up with the name Heatbox? I can't take credit for that. Uh, that's a name from high school. So, you know, 300 years ago, uh, my friend Alex Rossi uh, just started calling me Heatbox after I was beatboxing all over the school. Alex Rossi. My last name's Heaton. Yep. From Root City Band, right? Alex Rossi? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, are you? Where are you from? I'm from Brooklyn Center or Minis- you know, Minneapolis. Okay. Nice. But uh, he's from Brooklyn Park, so we grew up together. I gotcha. So you've been your whole life been doing the beatboxing thing? Yeah, like I discovered what that even was when I was like 17 and sort of did it, you know, and that didn't get paid any money for many years, but then started to have a job doing it at some point. <laughs> Who were your uh, influences learning that skill? For sure, number one influence is Razel from uh, The Roots. Remember that dude? Of course. Made Make the Music uh, 2000, which came out in 1999, where he does If Your Mother Only Knew, where he beatboxes and sings at the same time in front of a live audience, and it's just amazing. So that's what made all of us in my at Park Center High School. That's what made everybody beatbox, and uh, I never stopped. <laughs> nice. Do you remember your first paying gig doing something like that? Oh, that's a good question. Probably at a Root City gig. Like, when I first started, I would just... I would just get in the van and then I would go out to whoever show and, you know, I would just hang out and sit in for like one song and then come back off. And I don't know, Alex Rossi probably paid me, I don't know, $10 one night. And that's my first time getting paid. That's awesome, man. Uh, so we're here to talk about your new record, Hilarious and Epically Legendary. Um, you want to tell us a little bit, the album, how you started it? What was the uh, impetus of the project? You know, what you're going for the sounds, where you recorded it, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's my first album in 10 years. So I had sort of fallen out of love with being a musician and stuff in, in a couple ways. And in my middle 30s, you know, artists were always like, I'd rather be something else, you know. But uh, so I sort of tried to be something else for a while and didn't make any new music. And then all of a sudden, bam, right, be- right before the pandemic, I was like, got the itch again. And started the project and it was all going to come out in 2020 but of course we all know how that went and so yeah i just wanted to make something the the goal of the album was to make the most polished nice sounding well-produced songs with like the dumbest topics possible because <laughs> yeah. i love like uh uh you know the lonely island and uh flight of the concords and all those like tenacious d like Songs that are like awesome, but also really stupid, and that's like my favorite album. I gotcha, <laughs> absolutely. Where did you record the record at? Right here in this room. Uh, yeah, I just have all these artists come over. At first, I would make everything in uh, Pro Tools using like synths and synth strings and synth trumpets and everything. And uh, the the album has all uh, sampled drums. There's not a real drummer on it. And then I would hire musicians to come in and just re- replace all the parts. Um, with what I had written. And then at the end, I'd be like, and now, you know, you want to just have a rip over the track and see what happens. And I use some of that. And, but mostly it's just uh, them doing what I had already done. Cool, man. How 
how do you do your songwriting process? Like, I have a list of songs I kind of want to ask you about how you started writing them or what they're about. But like, for example, like Bad Internet Friend, when you're talking about she made spaghetti. Like, how do you how, how do you come up with? And when you come up with some of those lines, do you write them down on your phone or how do you keep them in your head? For sure, for sure, this phone, uh, you know, there's, a, there's a, a, a madman's wizard book of notes in my phone and little voice recordings that are like, no, note to self, you know, do this or whatever, do that. Or just me humming, you know, melodies that later on you listen to and you don't really understand the context of what it was. And you're like, God, I wish I could remember what this was. I but, recently uh, read an interview with Taylor Swift and she said that every, she was taught that everything is copy. So you can uh-huh. use anything in your song. And I think that's what makes some of these ones so funny is that you're talking about everyday basic stuff you might not even think of, like spaghetti. But you throw it it's like a general thing like that in the middle of a lyric, that makes it kind of funny, I think. Not a lot of songs have the word spaghetti in them. You're definitely right about that. I was just trying to think of the dumb crap that people put on Facebook. Like you, you know, you're in your car and you're about to go work out. Like who cares? Or like you made... A salad. It's like, okay. I don't care. Put something fun. Put something cool and weird on the internet instead of your salad. That's hilarious. Um, so you do have a take off the Minneapolis Sound. Who are some of your favorite Minneapolis Sound bands? Oh, man, all of them. But, you know, more Stay in the Time, Prince, yeah. uh, uh, all that stuff that came out of that, the new power generation, Dr. Mambo's Combo. Uh Boy, I could go on forever, but all the, all that generation of dudes and dudettes. Yeah, Morris Day is one of my favorite ones for sure. I cover their stuff. I play music four or five nights a week, and that's one of the ones I cover, one of my favorite, especially Piece of Ship. I thought that was very <laughs> Minneapolis soundy. Yeah, for sure. That one and Funky Baby song, I think, are the two and most Funky Baby, Minneapolis. Never, yeah. Um, have you seen Morris Day live? I have not. I've had Jelly Bean on the podcast before. Um in fact, I did a summer school play in my hometown of Turtle Lake, Wisconsin. And one of the characters, we did it for elementary school. One of the characters was Jelly Bean Johnson. One of the kids nice. just got, this little girl just was infatuated with him. Um, and she she made a, a, a top hat like his. And this is in the middle yeah. of the summer in small town Scotty. You know, there's, these kids don't know anything. I mean, I'd hate to say this, but most of them were raised on, their parents listen to the Garth Brooks on the radio, you know, so it's really good for them to get this yeah. exposure to such fun music. Like Kevin Bo said on the podcast recently, you cannot not be happy listening to Morris Day in the time. This little kid yeah. walking down the street with a Jelly Bean Johnson hat on, just sweating. I'm like, oh, my God, she is die hard. Um, Bean would love that, by the way. He would love to see that. What's that? <laughs> Jellybean would love that. He would love to see the little girl dressed as him. He would think that was He did. Great. He was an active part of our we, the kids wrote him uh uh the kids wrote him questions which he answered and then we edited out a version of the time parts. It was all about funk music this play was. We talked about James yeah. Brown, uh George Clinton, you know, oh, yeah. all the classics. And I had a huge Morris Day in the Time fan, so I had to have them in there. And so Jellybean even shared we did a the sample of the song. We did the song The Bird. The times yeah. on the bird, and they even shared it on their Facebook page. So that was pretty cool. Yes, dude. Um, so tell us about those kind of funky songs, uh, "Piece of Ship" and "Funky Baby." <laughs> like "Piece of Ship" started as just me with a ukulele 
in my basement. And it was a really strummy, like, there's just a dumb, you know, piece of ship. They call you sail because you're a piece of ship. They call you trench because you're acting like a little ditch. And I was just making dumb puns. But then later when I was making the album, years later, I was like, oh, yeah, piece of ship. And then I just turned it into the most opposite funk jam thing instead of this ukulele plunk song, which if you heard the original, you'd be like, whoa, they're way different. Who does the bass, cool bass riffs on Funky Baby song? That's me singing into an octave shifter. That's what? puts my, my, my the voice bass down. Riffs? Yeah. Are you serious? Yep. And there's a little bit of keyboard bass that I played over here on the keyboard. Wow, that stood out to me. I I had no idea. Yeah, I did some weird weird stuff. There's a couple of bass synth sounds. There's like this big what that happens every once in a while. And then there's like a more of a traditional bass thing. And then there's also me singing with an octave shifter. Wow. Yeah, I thought that was a just a bass instrument. That's incredible. Who is the little baby? That's my kid, Frankie, I guess. Or in, in, in the beginning of it, it's Frankie. But the song is about me and how I was born incredibly funky. I love it. Um, one song I got to ask you about because I've been a full-time musician for 20 years. And one of my biggest, well, I'm completely numb to it now, but it does stand out amongst musicians, um, this kind of tendency amongst our audiences to clap on the one and three. <laughs> that was hilarious. All my musician friends, that's one of their favorite tracks. They're like, yes, thank you. Thank you for spreading the the PSA, the the knowledge or whatever. That was another one where I was just the whole the whole point of that song was to sort of tease people about how everybody's so ready to be worried about being offended or other people being offended. You know, like you say, lesbian, and people are like, "Oh God, no! What's he going to say now?" Basically, lesbian vegetarians they don't eat meat. That's true. And then you say black people, and they're like, "Oh God." what's he going to say about black people? And then you just say they have slightly lighter skin on the bottom of their feet. So it's me just, just poking people and being like, Hey, you know, it's going to be all right. <laughs> have you had anybody get offended seriously about your stuff? No, no, not yet. Not yet. Uh, no, maybe it'll happen. I'll talk to them when they, when that happens. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of like I had a song from back in 2006 called bitches from the Milky way. And I've never, Knock on wood. Never had anybody get upset about it, even though I know a lot, a lot of, I know a lot of feminist, you know, progressive people. I don't know. Something about the way I deliver it, I guess, makes them be like, ah, he's, he's fine. That's good. So tell us about making the video beige. That was hilarious. Yeah, yeah thanks. I, uh, first of all, I had to find a, a house. First of all, so the song is about making fun of, rich people and how they dress or, uh, you know, they decorate their house all brown, beige, which is totally true, by the way. If you know anybody that makes more than five figures into the six-figure range, I guarantee you their house is like mostly beige and brown on the inside. I don't know why they do that. But so, first of all, I had to find someone that was rich enough and cool enough to come and let me make fun of them in their own house. So we had uh, my friend's aunt and uncle out in Afton, Minnesota, were cool enough and kind enough to let us go into their nice, really, really nice house. And I brought a whole team of dancers who uh, are all students of my friend, Stacy Poole. And she's uh, the, the blonde in the video that does a bunch of dancing, mm -hmm. too. 
So yeah, then we just went to the house and just sort of winged it. And except for, you know, the dancers did learn that big piece for the middle uh, that Stacy had uh, choreographed and talked to them. But other than that, we just sort of screwed around at, at this person's nice big mansion. That is so cool. Yeah, I, lo- I loved that video. Um, how did your CD release show go at the Hook and Ladder? That was great. Uh, we had an awesome time. I did uh, several costume changes, which I never did before. I have all those crazy dumb suits that I got off the internet. And I, would, and I had a couple of my friends, Hillary and Drew, dress up as uh, maidmers, where the top is the fish and the bottom is the lady legs. And they took it upon themselves to buy fishnets and wear those. And I was like, genius, genius, ladies, nice. And uh, yeah, it was, I had a bunch of guest artists, uh, David Feely and Mark Grundhofer and uh, Steph Devine. And it was great. And we sang all the harmonies and did all the stuff. It was, it was really cool. That's awesome, man. What's your upcoming shows this summer and this fall? Uh, tomorrow, I go to Winona and sing at Ed's No Name Bar, which is going to start at about 9 p.m. And then uh, this this Sunday, me and Root City, uh, I should say Root City, uh, is at the Hewing Hotel rooftop, so that'll be sweet. And I got a big state fair show coming up August 28th and 29th, Monday and Tuesday. We're at the Lion Kugel stage, uh, like 8 p.m., doing the album, uh, trying to promote that. What are you, I'll be having. Uh, you're doing a, the, the Liney's Lodge? Yeah. Hey, that's outstanding. How'd you get that? Yeah, it's in? a great slot. My agent, Mark, called him, and, they're like, and he's like, hey, my dude, my dude, Heatbox, you, you know him. He's been in the scene for a thousand years. He's got a new album coming out, and it'd be a great timing for having him have a sweet slot at the State Fair, and they, they agreed, so we're going we're gonna to crush it. So you're headlining that, the State Fair those two nights as far as the Liney's Lodge? I think so, if, if, 8, if 8 p.m. is the last band of the night. Wow. Hey, congratulations right. on that. That's great. I've drank a lot of beer at the Liney's Lodge. Yeah, tons of people that I know that don't usually come out are like, dude, we're going to go see you at that one. So that'll be like friends from high school and stuff are going to be there. Yeah, I've seen Don Felder there. I've seen zillions of people there. That's that's outstanding a show, man. Um, yeah. Think, okay, so back in the day, I, th- I think we opened up for Root City. Were you the kind of rap guy that was with yeah, Root was City like the, back in the day? Like back. I, was the the, I considered myself the hype man to... Uh, to Alex Rossi. I was the beatboxing. I'd sometimes rap, yeah. Play tambourine, sing backups, whatever. Like one of the front out. guys of the band. Yeah, I was probably, you know, the Riker to his Picard. <laughs> <laughs> I was number one. Number one. That's awesome. Um, what's your social media stuff for folks that want to follow you or come see you play? Yeah, if you the easiest way is just Google Heatbox, uh, but I'm on heatboxllc.com. Also, Facebook.com slash Heatbox and Instagram.com slash Heatbox or Heatbox LLC. You'll, you'll find me. There's, there's me and then there's a, a lunchbox that heats up your lunch. So disregard all the lunchbox stuff and look for my look for this beautiful face and click on it. <laughs> I am a robot. Peter Boop. Nowhere is no hound. I am a dinosaur robot. Prepare for the funk. Nice. Now, can you do Batman? Yeah, I'll do Batman voice for a little while.
Something weird about your baby. There's something weird about your baby, man. What is it, Doctor? He appears to be half man, half funk. He's a centaur of funk, a funk tar. Which half is the funk? A mythical funk beast with trumpets for horns, drums for butt cheeks. And a big sweaty saxophone as his tail. He will feast upon the unfunky, and his hunger knows no bounds. And even though Max was less than five minutes old and had just been born, he looked at Dr. Ryan's eyes and said, Check out this taste, Elliot.
like to take a minute or two to thank the two sponsors of this week's podcast id chrysler zombroda and the Dale club as most listeners would know it is a scorcher still outside during the minnesota state fair here still been putting on a lot of miles driving from show to show hauling my doggies around with ugm i uh, had a fun time up in breezy point this weekend for johnson's birthday and all this stuff all this adversity heat whatever i feel completely safe getting to and from in my new cherokee x brand new Cherokee X I got from ID Chrysler Zombroda. Their philosophy is simple, time-saving, hassle-free, fair price. Check out the inventory at ZombrodaCDJR.com or take the beautiful drive down US 52 to 1900 Roscoe Avenue, Zombroda, Minnesota to visit them in person. Business hours are Monday through Friday, 8 to 6 p.m. and Saturday, 9 to 5 p.m. Closed on Sundays. Check out ID Chrysler Zombroda today and enjoy safe summer season hopefully close to end of this hot summer and memories out in open road in a new ride man and the beetle club the bdc 2100 one of my favorite bars in the roseville slash minnesota <laughs> one of my favorite bars in the roseville slash st paul minnesota area the beetle club located in the corner of counter b and dale's motto is a place for family a place for friends a place for fun and that is the stone cold truth they started up Thursday Night Bocce again this next week. I'm so excited to get my Thursday night shows back. Won't be there this week. Sam Johns is there this week, and then I'll be there next week with Johnson, and we'll start working in some more guest musicians. But stop out. It's always fun. Natalie, Shelley, Dustin, the entire bar staff, all state-of-the-art cocktail wizards. As of late, libation of choice is the classic screw-up light OJ. And then a quote, 16-time world champion Ric Flair, tasted little devils. Live music, pool table, pull tabs, Tuesday night, chess society, bingo, meat raffle, bocce ball, Thursdays, and much, much more. B-Dale's got it all. Stop by for a cold one today. Next up, I speak with Mary Strand about her new album, Golden Girl. Afterwards, hear a new single, Alexa, Please. Mary Strand, welcome to the Minnesota Music Shakedown. How's it going today there, Mary? It's going great. Thank you. Well, I hope it sounds like you've had a wonderful day hanging out on the St. Was it St. Croix River? Yes. That's outstanding. It sounds like it, I have not done anything fun like that yet all summer either. I know. It's been, uh, it's just flown by, actually. It has really flown by. Uh, we're here talking with Mary on the, on the podcast this week about her new record, Golden Girl. This is your debut record. What made you want to put this out right now? Um. Well, we we actually started working on it about um, actually more than 18 months ago. It's almost coming up on two years. So um, we just did song after song, and I had an immediate um, album list, which um, kind of went by the wayside a little bit. You know, we kept changing it as we were going. So um, finally last fall, we, we, we knew the timing. We had enough songs recorded already that we knew what we were doing, and so we plotted out, you know, single. we did five single releases and then the album release. Do you write songs solo or do you do co-writes? I usually write solo. Um, I've done I've done exactly two co-writes so far. One of them is on this album. It's with Sarah Morris. Um, she and I co-wrote um, "I Don't Want to Be Your Yesterday" last summer, and oh. then I did, yeah, 
so we, in fact, that, that too, that was not on the original list of songs, but you know, if the right song comes along, we add it to the album. And then, um, I've done one this year with Ted Heineshevitz. Um, so we're, we're all in the, um, singer songwriter songwriting challenge, uh, which is a Facebook group. And if you, if you do that and you do all the songs that they ask for, you do 20 songs a year. So I usually do 20 to 25. That's outstanding. What a great way to keep your practice going. Absolutely. It is great. Um, so how'd you get hooked up with the, some guys from soul asylum helped you put together this record? Um, one is the, um, the connection is actually Quintown guitars. I was, um, wow. It was, uh, seven years ago when my friends was playing in those uh, Twintown offers, um, bands, uh, every, like you pay to be in the band and they do four per year and it's great for working on your musical chops. And I had never done anything like that. And frankly, I was a horrible beginning guitarist seven years ago. And, um, so when I started doing the Twin Town bands, I worked with two different, te- the, the main two teachers that I worked with there were Ryan Smith, who is in Soul Asylum, and Mark Waite, who is in the Melismatics, and Ryan's in the Melismatics too. So that is the Soul Asylum connection. That's great. Did Ryan produce your record? What was his role? Um, Ryan, Mark, and I all produced it. Um, we recorded it at different studios. Ryan has a studio. He and I recorded there. Mark recorded his bass uh, vocals and a couple extra things at his studio. And then when we had what we thought was close enough to a complete song, you know, enough tracks um, to make it a complete song, then we took my son Jack into Flower Studio and he recorded the drums. That's great. That was fun. Yeah. That's great. And you have your CD release show on Saturday, August 19th at the Astor Cafe? Yes, at 9 o'clock. Nice. Who's um, all, is that the full band? Yeah, that'll be the full band. We play at 9, and then at 9.45, Little Man plays an acoustic set. And at 10.30, Ryan and Mark, um, so they're calling it uh, Mark and Ryan of the Melismatics, they're playing an, an acoustic set, too. That's awesome. That is awesome. So this is your debut record. When did you start songwriting? I started in 2018. And the reason why I know it so well is that um, Rodney Crowell announced that he was uh, hosting his first ever songwriters camp. And I love Rodney Crowell's music. And I signed up for it. And... um, uh, and so I had to write a song because you had to have a song there. So I had written one song and most people there, you know, they'd written 50 or whatever. And so that whole week when they asked me to play my one of my songs, I, I pulled out the same song. I, this is it. This is what I've got. So that was why I started in 2018. How was your interactions with Rodney Crowell? And did you learn a lot from him? Yes, Um uh, I interacted with him. He brings in he brings in six or eight other um, teachers. Um, Joe Henry was one uh, that I loved listening to as well. That first camp, he brought in Bernie Taupin. Um, what? Yeah, he brought in Bernie Taupin at the last camp. And then I'm actually going to it again in a couple weeks. Um, he's bringing in Peter Asher. Um, who was there 
uh, at his second camp. I've been to, this will be my third, probably my final, because uh, I have done this. But um, so they bring in, oh, and for that first one, what he does is that he brings in songwriters. So he'll bring in, like I said, six, six or seven. And then he brings in one or two who are there as top-notch guitarists. So that people want some help, work, whatever, on their guitar playing, they did that. At that point, I was still um, strumming basic chords. I, you know, I was very competent on, on chords, you know, basic rhythm guitars, but I hadn't done anything like a blues jam or anything. And he brought to that first one, Don Peake, who used to be on the Wrecking Crew um, way back when. And, um, and he brought someone else whose name I'm just forgetting right now. But anyway, they had a one afternoon, they did a blues session. And if you showed up, you could learn how to do your first, well, in my case, your first blues riff and learn how to, you know, just do the the backing track, you know, for the other people who are doing it. So we just took, took turns going around the room. I think there were maybe 10 of us doing that. It was just the whole week was, was songwriting and guitar uh, paradise. Do you mind sharing what Bernie Toppin talked about or some things he said? Or some takeaways you have from your experience listening to him? Um, Bernie did a Q&A with Rodney. Um, so he he was brought in as a special guest because he wasn't going to be um, sitting in and giving critiques because they do a lot of critiquing. You'll play your music and you get a critique. Um, like at the first session, I got one from Rodney himself and I sat up next to him playing his... 1932 uh, Gibson acoustic um, guitar. It was just, you know, amazing. So with um, with Bernie, he told he told more war stories, but also he told about the process of writing with Elton. So basically, the process of a lyricist writing um, um, the, the the lyrics while Elton, you know, pulled out the music and how that works when they're together and how he might have lyrics that either Elton doesn't use all of them or Elton would say, I need another verse um, because they basically worked apart. He just showed up with lyrics and they didn't like sit in the same room. At least, I mean, I'm sure they did in the very beginning when they started out as fledgling songwriters, but they, they worked into a rhythm where they, um, they worked separately, but, um, but very harmoniously. For people listening that don't know who we're talking about, if my grandmother's listening, Bernie Toppin and Elton John, they wrote songs together, the famous pianist, songwriter Elton John, and very, very famous hits. I just watched a clip recently about Elton John. He was very young, and he had the sheet of paper that Bernie Toppin wrote your song on. And he goes, here's one that Bernie came up with, and he sets it on the piano. He goes, yeah, I would think I'm going to go like this and go like this, just la-da-da. And here's one of the most famous songs in modern rock music, you know. So that's really fascinating you had a chance to, to meet that fella. Um, yeah, so do you have any other shows coming up this fall, winter, after the Aster one? Um, I'm in a band called Dodging Potholes. Um, great band in Minnesota. Um, and we play once a month at the Driftwood. So I know that we're playing August 30 at the Driftwood. Um, and we're in December, but I don't have 
my calendar. Actually, I do have my calendar here. But in December, we're going to be at the schooner opening for Lolo's Ghost. Um, and if I can, I will come up with that date. Um, I think it's December 7th. And it's December 7th. What the heck? Yeah. That's awesome. So um, we, we usually play, as a band, we usually play once or twice a month. Okay. So I'm going to ask you, there's some songs that stuck out to me on your record, and I kind of wanted to ask you the story behind the song or what was your process of writing it and recording it, if that's okay with you. Sure. Uh, how about Unless the, it incriminates me. Yeah. No. I'll ask you <laughs> later. No, how about the song Alexa, Please, that rocker song with the, the cool harmonies? And for there was some cool chord changes in that song, too. So Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty. So what's the story with that song? Um, the song actually came to be, um, about a year ago. I'm a novelist too. And I was out in DC, um, with a bunch of my novelist friends one weekend and they decided to spend one morning with like eight of us sitting around a table working on our novels, which frankly is insane. I would never work on my novel with eight other people at a table, but anyway, and I said, well, I'm not working on a novel, but I'll work on songwriting. So I was scribbling, but everyone's of course talking cause you've got eight people sitting at a table. So they're all talking and one of the women um, was good-naturedly um, talking about her husband and what horrible thing he had done that morning and how annoyed she was. And you know, just, you know, the normal talk. And she said, jokingly, you know, I really should just find a, a boyfriend. And suddenly, the phone of the woman sitting next to her said, boyfriend has been added to your shopping list. And I, I said, oh, my God. That. I have my next song. Oh my God. So I, I actually wrote it that's, that morning. Um, one thing I do with my songs, I used to do it more with Ryan, but Ryan and I are more focused on recording because he is the one I record with. So with Mark Wade, um, when I'm working with him and I'm songwriting, I haven't been doing it this summer because I've been just writing my songs completely myself without any input from anyone. Um, but often if we have time, Mark will, I'll go over my song with Mark and um, and he'll give thoughts. Uh, usually his thoughts involve um, my very pathetic bridge. I often have a very basic, pathetic bridge when I start out. It sounds like it sounds like just another verse. And so he'll tell me how to like jazz up my, you know, he'll suggest how to jazz up my bridge. Um, and so on that song, on the chorus, um, I had all the basic chords and the chord changes but um but for instance on that one he said um the fourth chord in each line he said why don't we just um why don't we push that chord so it was uh, it was on the end of four it came in on the end of four but it really just has a has kind of a kick to it because of that and then normally ryan and i would record guitar um and our vocals and sometimes ryan had another instrument one or more instruments that he played and Mark normally did guitar, uh, sorry, did bass and his vocals on that song. Mark heard what Ryan and I did on our guitars. And he said, no, no, I told you <laughs> that I wanted, you know, more, um, more distortion. I think this could just really, really rock. And it already rocked from Ryan and me. And so Mark, um, laid down a guitar track too. And, um, and we just joked about how, how yeah, Ryan and I are not good enough for this song, and um, but it was great. So we just took all of our guitar tracks, and including Mark's, and um, and it, he was exactly right. It was the perfect, the perfect sound. 
That's great. That's great. How about the song, since you mentioned Sarah Morris, how about the song, I Don't Want to Be Your Yesterday? Can you talk about that process? Yeah. So um, Sarah obviously writes a lot of songs, and she's so great. She asked me, um, in our singer-songwriter group on Facebook, some people do co-writes, and someone had started doing that kind of in earnest about a year earlier, so like two years ago. And I hadn't done it yet, and I was still feeling like new kid on the block. And and so I hadn't asked anyone yet to co-write, but I was thinking about it. And just when I was thinking about it, Sarah asked if I wanted to do that with her. So her method, she's a runner. And so when she gets the prompt, you get a prompt on a Sunday morning. And um, when she gets the prompt, she takes it out for a run. And she's thinking about it and you know, singing it as she's running. I think she takes, in fact, I know she takes her phone with her. So... She might stop and, you know, and sing melodies or words into her phone. I know I happen to know that because when I got her recording, it was, you know, it was someone who was running, giving me these melodies. It was really funny because, you know, you normally you hear her, her beautiful vocals and, and these are so beautiful, but they were out of breath, beautiful. So um, I did the same thing separately, except I went for a walk and I often went on Sundays, if I go for a walk, it'll be with my prompt and my cell phone and my voice memo app. And I just talk lyrics. I, I sometimes will sing melodies in my phone, but I'm mainly trying to get lyrics down right away. And so um, we both came back at the end of the morning with um, with random lyrics that we'd come up with based on whatever the prompt was. I think it, I want to say it was implore, but I can't remember. And, um, and then that afternoon, we just kept exchanging um, voice memos and notes just completely online. And then uh, the next morning, we got together at her house, and we spent about three hours laughing and, um, and working out. That's when we first worked on, you know, chords, um, the chord sequences and uh, chord progressions. And, um, and then completely put... We'd, we had each come up with some melodies and vocals, but we really um, figured it out then. And then we just, we were pulling together, I think by the end of Sunday, the day before, we had pulled together a really rough shot at where we were going lyric-wise. And we went from there. We still made changes, you know, of course. But, and then at the end of our three-hour session, we recorded a video of it for the Singer-Songwriter Challenge and posted that on Facebook. That's a great story. Great story. Yeah, it was really fun. My other favorite one on the record is that kind of rocker, super catchy one called Act As If. I think it's number 10 on the record. Um, yeah. What's what's the story with that song? That was actually the first single that we released. Um, that was probably, I wrote that before we st I started the Singer-Songwriter Challenge. I think when I started it in 2020, I had written maybe six or seven songs, and this was probably number five or six or seven. Um, that I often come up because I'm a lyricist, because I'm a novelist, and therefore more of a lyricist. I will come up with the words first, and and then usually the guitar comes next, guitar or piano comes next, and then melody fits in somewhere around there. It's when I'm sitting there with a the guitar, usually that I start coming up with melody. And um, I was talking to a friend the day before, and 
And he was talking about advice that his mom gave him when he was a kid. And he said that she always said, act as if you're already where you want to be. So like if you want to be, well, uh, a rock star, act as if you already are. It's basically that really good advice. And I was thinking about it. And the next morning I woke up with the melody to that chorus in my head. And I just kept singing it and singing it and singing it until I got out of bed and grabbed my phone. And then I sang it in my phone. And um, so it was completely based on a good, good advice from a mom. Love it. So either previously or still are, you have been or are a lawyer, a novelist and a musician, right? Yeah. So I have a question for you. So if you took a summer day in Minnesota and hung out on the St. Croix River, what lawyer would you hang out with? What novelist would you like to hang out with? And what musician? Is it dead or alive? Doesn't matter. Yeah, dead, alive, any and ever. Um, the greatest lawyer I ever um, met, talked to, whatever, was a law school professor of mine. Um, I went to Georgetown, and it was Marty Ginsburg, husband of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And he was this... He was the smartest person I have ever spoken to in my life, but really casual about it, super nice. And we were all talking about how smart he was, but she wasn't really known at that time. She was on the, um, I think she was on the DC circuit court. She wasn't on the Supremes yet. And so we'd all say, oh, he must be the smartest person in the whole world. And, um, and someone said, yeah, but I heard his wife is even smarter than he is. <laughs> so Marty Ginsburg would be talking tax, though, so there's that. But but that'd be cool. I just saw um, his grave last month in D.C. Oh wow! It just it's uh, right down from JFK's in Arlington oh, cool. Cemetery. Yeah, hers. Yeah, hers. Oh, and thank her husband. you. Yeah. Just thank right, you. I know right where I'll be going. Yes, yeah, right down from the the fire of JFK's. Right. Okay. Just feet away from it. Thank you. I usually get back there once a year because I have a bunch of friends there. Yeah. Um, novelist. Um, wow. Um, Jane Austen. Um, she was my big hero as a, I mean, so I know it's all dead. Well, actually Marty is. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm kind of going toward the, the dead end of the range. Um, I wrote a, a young adult series, um, called the Bennett sisters. Um, but to give you a hint of what I was writing about, the first one is called pride, prejudice and push up bras. So, Jane Austen all the way. It was a four book series based on a modern, modern collision with pride and prejudice. So uh, to, um, that helps me kind of avoid trying to name a current person and then miss like everybody else who's currently writing. Um, songwriter. Well, um, the truth is, I mean, the first thing that came to mind, ah, this is hard. Um, well, I've already talked to Rodney Crowell, and I will talk to him again in a few weeks. Um, I love, I, I met him though. I, I love the music of Juanes. So that's why I've got a Spanish song. He's a big songwriting hero of mine, a complete rocker, um, but in Spanish. Um, but I've met him, and then I'd be struggling with my Spanish because I'm in front of greatness. Um, and um, I think it would be Paul McCartney. That's just out of the blue. Um, I probably, if if you could combine Bernie Taupin and Elton John, 
you know, because then you'd get both sides of the coin. Then I would combine those two. But if I had to just take one, I think just for kicks, it would be Paul McCartney. I love it. So, Mary, what's your social media stuff that people want to look you up and check out your shows and your music? Um, first, I have a website, marystrand.com. And uh, one page that shows all upcoming shows. Um, my social media is um, uh, both on Facebook and on Instagram. It's uh, blah, 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 slash Mary Strand Music. So pretty easy to find. This week's episode of the Minnesota Music Shakedown is another new song by one of the featured guests this week, Mary Strand. 
with a song called Act As If. Big thanks to Andrew Crowley from Organica Recording for assisting in post-production. This has been the Minnesota Music Shakedown. If you'd like to toss a buck or two in the podcast dip jar, please go to patreon.com forward slash Music. If you like what I do, check out my website, MarkStereoMusic.com. For artists or song submissions, please email me at MarkStereoMusic at gmail.com or message me on social media. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time. Just one more line Just one more